Let me start by just addressing and, and welcoming all of you that might be visiting with us this morning. What a joy it is to see uh, so many in this place again, especially after last year. But I do want to address you for just a quick moment because we need to catch you up with where we've been for the last several weeks. For the last uh, several weeks in the season of Lent, the 40 days from Ash Wednesday preparing us for the celebration of Easter today, we have been doing a sermon series called Fulfilled. So in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 23, God lays out a number of feasts and festivals that he tells the people to continue to celebrate in order to remember who they are and the great things that God had done for them in the past. These are their holidays, like we as Americans have holidays that remind us of our, our history and the formative events that made us who we are. Well, in that, in all of that, the reason why we have been looking at all of those feasts and festivals through the week is, uh, through these weeks, is because those feasts and festivals not only pointed to the person and work of Jesus Christ, but we have been seeing how they've been fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue with that today, because while there are seven feasts and festivals laid out, all of which we've already covered, there was one comment at the beginning of Leviticus 23 that we haven't yet addressed which we're going to this morning. So if you want to go with me or just read on the screen behind me or look at the back of your orders of service or open up in your scripture or your pew Bibles to Leviticus 23, we're going to read the first three verses of that chapter that framed this entire text. From Leviticus chapter 23, verses 1 through 3, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I just mentioned, as Americans, we have holidays. Feasts and festivals that remind us of our past. And when we think about those holidays, oftentimes think about how much food is associated with them. On the 4th of July, we have hot dogs and hamburgers, corn on the cob and potato salad as we celebrate uh, the birth of our nation. On Thanksgiving, you can't think about that holiday without thinking about the turkey and the mashed potatoes and gravy, the green beans and the pumpkin pie for dessert. And today, I'm quite certain that even at this very moment, in many of your homes, there is a ham in the oven, warming up right now, getting ready for you to come back and to eat this wonderful meal. So I'll try to bear that in mind and keep this as brief as possible so that we can get to those hams, right? And what do we say after we eat those meals, those feasts? 
Oh, I'm so full. I, I don't think I can eat again. I can't eat another bite. Or I've eaten so much at this meal, this feast, that I don't think I'll need to eat for the rest of the week. I'm sure you've heard those things like I have. But then what happens? The next day, we pull out the leftovers, those same foods, and we put them on the table. And it's not that we're trying to relive the experience for another day, but we eat another meal because our bodies need it. Those feasts, those wonderful big meals are great. They're wonderful. We look forward to them and enjoy them. But they're not enough to sustain us. Every day, our body needs new food, new nourishment to give us the energy that we need to do the things that have to be done. Every day, we have to eat because otherwise we would starve. And while that's true for our, our physical lives, that's also true for our spiritual lives. Again, in these seven feasts and festivals, they were important days to focus people's attention around the great things that God had done for them. How he had freed them from slavery. How he had provided for them in the wilderness. How he had given them the promised land. And the ways that he had kept his promises over and over again. And those feasts helped do exactly that. But those occasional feasts weren't enough. People needed to be reminded on a day-in, day-out, week-after-week basis of the fact that they were unique. That they were in a relationship with God. That they were His holy chosen people. And that they were called to live holy and chosen different lives as a result. And in many ways, that's exactly what the Sabbath, as a weekly feast, was all about. As today, one of the things that was supposed to set the people of God apart from others was the fact that they were to take one day, a Sabbath day, to rest, to not work, and to observe that day as a holy day. And the key word in that observance was the word rest. In this broken world... Well, before the world fell into sin, we were created to be in relationship with God. And God put Adam and Eve in a garden, a place where they could eat and were provided for. However, when they sinned, God said to Adam that as a result, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat to the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you will be taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so because of sin, we learn in these consequences that work now will be frustrated. That instead of the trees just producing and providing for you in an easy way that God has intended, you will have to put forth effort in order to receive the nourishment that you need. And that effort will be frustrated, frustrated by thorns and thistles, frustrated by more effort being needed and frustrated that at the end of your life, you will die. There will be an end to your existence. All of this are consequences of the sin. And because of that, there is a strong temptation that work starts to control our lives. 
that it defines who we are. And we start to imagine that unless we are working, things will fall apart. And so we can't rest. We can't stop. We have to keep going or else everything will fall apart. But the Sabbath was an invitation to rest. To remember, to reorient your life around the fact that you are not defined by your work. But instead, you are defined by your relationship with the God who created you. Now, this day of rest, as we've seen in other places, were commanded in the Ten Commandments. And what's very interesting to note about the Ten Commandments is they show up in two different places in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in both of those two texts, they're virtually identical until we get to the fourth commandment where there's a slight variation in the justification for the Sabbath observance. So, for example, let's look first at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, where it says, The commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then it explains, For... In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so in Exodus chapter 20, we see that the reason why we are invited and called to rest is grounded in the fact that God rested in his creation. That after six days of work, on the seventh day, God stood back and he took delight in his creation. God didn't rest because he was tired, because he had expended all of his energy and he needed to recuperate. No, God rested in the fact that he looked back at everything that he made and he took delight in that creation. And he says, this is very good. And because of that, we as his creatures are also invited into that same rhythm of our lives. That because of creation, we are to remember that we are part of that creation. And so rather than falling into that temptation of thinking that we have to control this creation through our effort and our work, we can rest in the fact that God is the creator That God's work is the work that needs to be continually done. And we are given permission to step away from our work one day out of every week to say, God's the one who's in control. And I can rest knowing that the creation won't fall apart without my work, without my effort, without me trying to control everything. And so... The the Israelites and us are invited to rest because of the creation order, knowing that this is God's world. And we are not the ones in control of it, but he is. And we can rest in his work, not in ours. But that again changes in Deuteronomy 5. 
Deuteronomy 5, once again, at the beginning, we have the the commandment, and it's virtually the same. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as you. But now notice how the reason changes. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So a second reason why we are invited to rest is because of God's rescue of his people. Before, they had been enslaved in Egypt. And when you are enslaved, there is no rest from your work. You are told when to work and how to work and when your work is done. There's no thought like, boy, that was a busy week. I put in a lot of hours, but I'm going to see the fruit of that in that, you know, that, uh, what's the time and a half paycheck, the overtime hours, that'll be worth it. No, for slaves, there's no rest. There's no delight in what you were able to do. There's no time off. But God said, when I freed you from Egypt, I freed you from being enslaved. I freed you from being controlled by other people. And now you are my people. I have redeemed you. I have rescued you from that. And as my people, I invite you to rest. You're no longer controlled by the forces of this world. You are controlled by me. And I invite you to rest from your work. To not be enslaved in that work. But to be able to take a whole day off. Where you can recover And delight in what you have done. So that's the commandment. And we see throughout the Old Testament. And into the New Testament. That that command was very strict. God's people were identified. That they took a day off. And they did not work. And by the time Jesus shows up. They had very clear laws of exactly what defined work. And when you were crossing over that boundary. Into something that was restful. Versus something that was work. But it was also a necessary day. We get so, we're so forgetful. We get so caught up in the rhythms of this world that when we don't observe that day of rest, we start living and looking like everybody else. And we need that weekly reminder to say, you are different. You're not the same. And the patterns of your life are not defined by your effort. They are defined by who I call you to be. All right, well, that's all very interesting. But right about now is the point where you're wondering, this is Easter Sunday. Why are we talking about this? And what does this have to do with the story of the resurrection that I thought we were supposed to be remembering and celebrating? Of all days, shouldn't that be what we are talking about? But even in saying that lies one of the clues. We celebrate today on Easter Sunday. Sunday, like all of the other Sundays when we gather together. But whether or not you know this, let me make it abundantly clear that Sunday is not the seventh day of the week. 
as commanded in the Ten Commandments of taking the seventh day off. Sunday is actually the first day of the week. And while Jews and Hebrews, uh, Israelites, still celebrate the seventh day, Saturday, as their Sabbath, Christians worship and celebrate Sunday, the first day of the week, as their Sabbath. And why do we do that? We do that because, as we heard in the call to worship from Matthew 28.1, now after the Sabbath... Saturday, the seventh day of the week, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. And partially because of that very fact, we know scripturally that very early on, the Christians started to worship, celebrate on Sunday as the Lord's Day. The day of resurrection, the day where we remembered the fact that the dead, that Jesus was not in that tomb on the first day of the week, but that he came back to life. And because that is the defining act that defines who we are and our understanding of our relationship with God. It's that day, that event that we celebrate and remember over and over again every single week when we gather on the first day of the week on Sunday. But what is more than just the very fact that the event took place on a Sunday as we've been talking about in this sermon series, Jesus fulfilled the purpose of the Sabbath, when he rose from the grave. Think again of the justifications from Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Because when Mary and the disciples went to the tomb and found that it was empty, that Jesus was no longer there, but then they met him in the upper room alive once again. They saw and touched the nails, the the scars where the nails had been, and they ate with him, and they knew that he was alive. We know that we have been forgiven of our sins. That death has been defeated and we are invited into a whole new life. A new life where we can be the people that God created us to be from the very beginning. And now we know that once again God has done the work. That no effort, no amount of work of our own would ever be able to save us from our sins. But because God went to the cross and because God came back to life, coming, rising from the grave, we know that it's not our work that saves us, but the work of Jesus Christ that saves us. And therefore we can rest Knowing that every week we can take a day off and the world will not fall apart. Because it's not our work that keeps things going. But it is the work of Jesus Christ that makes all of the difference. And of course, we also see how the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was that great act of redemption. Just like the Israelites had been enslaved to the Egyptians, we were once enslaved to our sin. We were controlled by our addictions and we could not say no. But 
Because the tomb is empty, because Jesus came back to life, we are dead in our sins and we are invited into a whole new life where we are no longer enslaved to our sins. And not only does that mean that we have been forgiven and we can look forward to a life eternal with God in glory, but that means that we are free from being enslaved to sin now. When you are tempted, you can say no In the power of the name of the risen Jesus Christ. When you feel the urge to do something you know you should not do that will destroy your relationship with God. You can say no because that's no longer my identity. Like Roy, I have been baptized. I have been claimed by the risen Jesus Christ and that is no longer who I am. But I am a child of God. And all of that identity is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what does the Sabbath have to do with the resurrection? Well, just like all of those feasts, those wonderful moments, occasionally throughout the year that we focus our attention and remember, we get that wonderful rhythm in our lives where we get to say, every single week we can come and remember That the grave is still empty. Every Sunday we gather to remember that sin has been defeated. Every Sunday we come and we sing and we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive today and for every day. And so if you are visiting with us or if you're a regular attender, the invitation is to come every week as a special day to rest from your work, to rest from trying to save yourself, to rest from sin, and to worship the God that through the power of his blood sacrificed on the cross and the joy of the empty tomb has said you have been put to death, but you are invited to a new life in Jesus Christ. Something we need to remember every week as we celebrate that truth together. Toward that end, let's have a word of prayer. Oh Lord God and Heavenly Father, on this special day, we celebrate the fact that when the disciples ran to the tomb, they found it empty, and then they found you, the risen Lord, alive, where death was defeated And all of the consequences of sin were destroyed. And we thank you when we celebrate that today. We celebrate that when we stand by the gravesides of those that we love and have lost. And we declare that the grave is not victorious, but you are. And we remember and we celebrate that each and every week. Like a meal that needs to be eaten over and over again to nourish us and give us strength for the day. I pray that this celebration will give us strength for this week. Reminding us of who we are in you. Calling us to rest from our attempts to save ourselves and control the world. And to rest trusting that you are in control. That you have set us free from being enslaved to sin. And that because of the gift of grace received through faith, we know that we belong to you. May that not only be the songs that are sung this week, but may we return next week to sing them again 
and be reminded of who you say we are because the tomb is empty. May we serve you today and every day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.